know that uh, what's that? At, at least from my readings, from what I, I've just discovered on my own, is that there's there's been at least at least two Constantine ripoffs in comic books. Blatant. Really? Yeah, blatant ones. Yes, okay. yes, yes. So talk about the ripoffs real quick, brother, because that's that's fascinating. Yeah, I, I find sure. that to be uh, a, a strange uh, perception of flattery. To rip something off, it, it really so blatant, is. Yeah, this you know? is what they say. Like imitation is the. Oh yeah, that's true. That? That's uh, yeah. imitation it's is the truest form of flattery, or something like that. Sure. Yeah. I'll, Close I, I think truest is it. I, that's the only word I'm confused on there. But yeah, yeah we'll mm-hmm. say it. imitation is the truest form of flattery. Yeah. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'd buy that. <laughs> so there's two that I've noticed, and one for me is a little bit more interesting than the other. Sure. Uh, so. One I noticed was when I was reading uh, the Planetary Omnibus. Planetary was written by Warren Ellis. Uh, it was a fan- fantastic read, first of all, guys. If you're looking for something that you maybe haven't read before that's super sci-fi superhero, that's definitely it. Cool. Fucking fascinating. But in Planetary, there's this... Uh, Real quick, I'd like to announce that that's going to be like our Oprah uh, book club sticker. It's yeah. just going to be fucking, fucking fascinating. <laughs> yes, that is it. It's going to have both of us with like <laughs> thumbs up. Just like angry faces like, you know, uh, RBF, just right. thumbs up. Yeah, <laughs> This is one case where getting a double F is like the highest of esteem. Exactly. Like one F? Nah, you're failing in grade school, pal. Uh-huh. Double F? Double oh, F. Oh, man. Superhero homies love you. Yeah. <laughs> It fucking is fucking fascinating. fascinating. Yes, uh, but no. Um, like w- when I read uh, when I read Planetary, like after I got done reading it, I was like, I feel that this is what Jonathan Hickman wanted to do with the Avengers, but nice. <laughs> kind of sort of maybe didn't quite hit the mark. Uh, but no, um, the the Planetary ripoff is a man by the name of Jack Carter. And uh, he is, as you would guess, he's a Brit who wears a trench coat. I believe he even smokes and uh, has a foul mouth. And he uses copious amounts of magic uh, to battle paranormal shit. Sounds original. Yeah, yeah. So original. <laughs> and like, it's, it was super obvious that this was, this is clearly a Constantine ripoff. And... What's interesting about this is that uh, Planetary was uh, was published by Wildstorm Comics, uh, so it wasn't done by Marvel or DC or Image or any of these other ones, Dark Horse, any of these other guys. It was done by uh, Wildstorm. Now, partway through the creation process of Planetary, uh, Wildstorm was bought out and purchased by DC. Ah, what do you and, know? Yeah. Conglomeration <laughs> at its finest. Yes. And uh, I'm sure that a lot of you guys listening, a lot of you homies, remember when DC went on a tear and was just buying up all the properties they could. They they succeeded in buying a lot over the decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, so it was just kind of funny that Warren Ellis wanted this Constantine-like character, knowing that he had to create his own because he wasn't with DC. And then all of a sudden, this book he's writing is now bought and owned by DC. Yep. And it's like, oh, well, I already have this DC, like, or this Constantine, this character. Oh, well. Uh, yeah. But the second one, which is also really interesting and uh, a, a little uh, confusing as to the necessity of it, was uh, there is a, uh, a Constantine ripoff. I think his name is uh, Willoughby Kipsling. Wait, uh, wait. Willoughby Kitsling? Kipsling. Kipsling. Yep. That's a great name. Yeah, it's a great name. Wow. <laughs> that's that's almost as good as a 
Cobblepot. What's what's his last name? Oswald Cobblepot. Oswald. See, yeah. that's a great name. <laughs> yeah. Oswald Cobblepot. Mm-hmm. Uh, freaking Kipsling over here. Yeah. That's originality at its finest. Yeah, great name. Until yeah. you get, you know, until you start describing the character to me. <laughs> well, the character description is great. Uh, please. This character was created by uh, Grant Morrison. and What a great name. <laughs> and uh, he was used to get this guy's in the Doom Patrol run. So, I remember when uh, when when Doom Patrol season two was about to come out. I started reading the uh, the Doom Patrol omnibus, and when I got a certain way through it, I came across this guy, this Mister uh, Willoughby, and I was like, "This guy is straight up Constantine." I mean, once again, guys, I don't really have to describe him to you. Just picture Constantine, and I you basically like have Australian him. instead of British, though. <laughs> uh, because it makes me think of Wallaby too much. And, and now uh, I've got just got like, yeah. word association now, you yeah. know? Yeah. And the reason, also, guys, if you even, uh, even if you didn't read Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol run, which I think is the, probably the best Doom Patrol run, but even if you just watched the Doom Patrol TV show, which is based heavily on Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol run, uh, there's an episode in there that even feature, uh, features Wallaby. Uh, so there's a couple episodes that he's in actually. So if you want to see this uh, Constantine ripoff, they even put him in the TV show. But now what's interesting is that Doom Patrol has essentially always been owned by DC. So why in the world would Grant Morrison create this Constantine as character if he's already working with DC? Yep. And <laughs> like like this this was something that I. <laughs> I actually bothered to pause my reading in Doom Patrol, and it was like, I gotta look up, I gotta look this up. Somebody somewhere on the internet has to have an answer. Oh, already? You know, there's already a Reddit <laughs> argument about it that's come and gone. Oh yeah, yeah, and there was. Uh, <laughs> oh well, there you go. Uh-huh. And, it's like it's like we know the internet. And the reasoning for this was apparently, at the time of this creation, and then this is where things get a little messy here because technically, Vertigo was the line that Hellblazer was under. Hellblazer being the name of the Constantine run, of course. Correct. Uh, but technically, technically, Vertigo didn't start until 1993, whereas I believe Mr. Willoughby was created in 1990, and the reason that Grant was told he couldn't use Constantine was because mm-hmm. they didn't want to cross the continuity between Vertigo and DC at that time. So they want to keep those things separately, but I'm like, the dates aren't adding up here. So there's some kind of fuckery afoot. It, it sounds like there's still some legality issues there. You yeah, know? and, and yeah. I, I think essentially what it was was that even at that time, they for sure wanted to keep characters like uh, like Morpheus from Sandman, uh, Constantine, Swamp Thing. They wanted to kind of keep all those guys in their own separate continuity. Sure. Um, if You can argue that they're in the same universe, sure, uh, Eventually, they definitely were or, or are, um, but at the time, they kind of wanted to keep them separate from the DC continuity, and so because of that, uh, Grant was like, well, I'm not, not going to use Constantine, <laughs> so right. I'm going to make my own. I just thought that was super fascinating, because like, I understood why Warren Ellis had to create his own version, yeah. because he was under Wildstorm, and Wildstorm was his own thing at the time. Okay. But for Grant Morrison, I was like, why did he have to make his own Constantine clone? I was like, oh, yeah, well, I guess it's because of reasons. Sure. <laughs> uh, the politics of the office. Yeah. 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 I mean, no office, unfortunately, is free from them. 
but you know, I, I do applaud them though for their decision because I I wish that comics nowadays cared that much about continuity to be like, nope, you can't use this guy because right. this is in a different continuity. Man, fucking, this is something that uh, that I I, I always kind of hate uh, about a lot of modern comics in general. Ooh, tell us what grinds your gears, buddy. We know what grinds my gears. What grinds your gears? It's the fact that nowadays in comics. Whether I'm reading Marvel or DC, it doesn't really matter which big, which big two. Sure. But I can read like uh, an Avengers book, an X-Men book, an X-Force book, mm. and they all three feature Wolverine in three different places at the same time. Mm. And I'm like, does no one care or is anyone keeping up with this? And I mean, it's the same thing with DC. Like Batman can be doing eight different things in eight different places. And I'm like, how is this possible? Who's keeping up with the continuity here? How is he both in Scott Snyder's and Tom King's here? What, what's going on? <laughs> in one place, he's doing cool stuff. In other ways, he's, he's in you know, underground Gotham. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that, uh... that's, it, that's nitpicky. Like, only the truest of fans would, one, notice the timeline continuity, the, the lapse in, you know, attention of that, in attention of, nah, this is one character which we're treating as a real entity trying to exist in multiple places like a real entity can't, mm -hmm. you know? Only the truest of fans would look at that, you know? Which is fascinating. Well, I love that. Because yeah, you're not wrong, though. You're not wrong. Okay. You know? It's like, it's like say, one of these Harry Potter uh, diehard fans out there, which I don't know if those exist anymore, thanks to J.K. Rowling and how she's acting. Uh, but um, it's like saying that he was at some... School class in one book, you know, but then another book written during his same quote school year. All of a sudden, he's you know, out doing some bullcrap in Magic City outside of Hogwarts or something. You know, I clearly read the books. I have all some <laughs> ideas of what I'm talking about. But you get yeah. what I'm saying. Like you can't yeah, make the characters exist simultaneously that would be, in different that would locations. Be super fucked up, just because like he was all I assume all written by J.K. Rowling. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so I, she, I she, would, she would really be off her game mm -hmm. for that to happen. True. True. Yeah. In that case, it'd be particularly insulting because yeah. it's one author. You don't have the excuse, the fallback, like these other larger con uh, conglomerations saying, oh, well, we're not responsible for that because we had those in two separate authors' hands. Mm -hmm. Nah, come on. You, you yeah. could have called each other. You could have said, hey, Tom, what you doing? Where's Batman at? <laughs> Bet. Let me, let me put that in mind. All right. Yeah, and Which, there's pros and cons, I guess, if you overthink it, but whatever. Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, I, I don't think I would ever notice it, but the only reason I do notice stuff like that is because there was a time when they did really care about that. And if a character was occupied, then uh, you wouldn't really notice it. Uh, I, I'll give this example, then I promise we'll get started. The first time for sure <laughs> that I noticed this, I think was uh, like the first time when I was a teenager and I read Civil War One. And uh, in Civil War One, this is just a really small thing. Is when Daredevil gets uh, gets arrested and taken in into the uh, to the negative zone, uh, okay. to to the prison that they have in the uh, other dimension, technically. And uh, th we get that one iconic panel, at least I think is iconic, when uh, one of the guards say to Tony Stark, uh, he didn't have anything on him except we found this coin in his mouth. And Tony goes, what's this? And Daredevil replies something along the lines of calling Tony Stark a Judas for betraying his friends. Mm. And uh, I, always oh, that was a, yeah, I always thought it was a super cool 
and fitting line for Matt Murdock. But then it wasn't until years later that I realized reading Iron Fist that, wait a minute, Matt Murdock wasn't even around. It was actually Danny Rand pretending to be um, Daredevil during this time. Oh, dang. So, so technically that wasn't even supposed to be Matt Murdock. That was supposed to be Danny Rand. So I was like, either, either Danny Rand is, is, is balls deep in his Matt Murdock role playing or, or someone forgot. Homies, real quick, I just want to take a sidebar with all of you listening out there, all you cool cats <laughs> deciding to, to stream with us here, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I, I want to take a second. I want you to imagine the meme of uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia of that one character that's got like the crazy ass <laughs> chart with like the, the pictures and the red yarn and everything. And he looks like ecstatically crazy. This is Q right now talking about time lapsing and comic book writing. <laughs> And it's beautiful. I love turning you oh, into a meme, man. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I always think super fans should definitely have should definitely be like a editor in chief at these companies because super or, fans or at least can have keep, a vote in the say. Yeah. <laughs> like super fans can can really like keep this shit straight. Like, wait a minute, no, 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 no. If, <laughs> if, if Green, if Hal Jordan is out in space right now, there's no way that he can be guarding said the two. Exactly. There's no way that he could be with the the rest of the the, the Justice League or something. Right. Man, uh, I bet you you could actually like conglomerations. Now I'm talking to all you guys out there, DC, Marvel, Dark Horse, all y'all. Um I just uh unironically used y'all. Dang. Mm. Now I'm sad. I gotta go to bed. But um I'm talking to all of the big companies out there. So I bet you guys that you could convince a super fan to be one of the main editors on staff for free. You could yeah. you could probably trick them because they'd yeah. just be like, hey, you want a you want a chance to tour, you know, the building with us and trick them to come inside, sit in a board meeting and listen. <laughs> hey, just just listen in. Check it out. We're talking about the latest graphic novel. And then boom, you're done. Yeah. Done. Right there. That's that's uh volunteer uh what's it called? What's it called? Uh the the, the people that oh, work um, for free. Yeah, yeah. Uh, internships. Internship. That's it. Yeah. 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 There is a lot of answers to what I just asked. What was the clue? <laughs> People who work for free. That could have gone down a dark path, but I'm glad we kept it at interns. There we go. Yep. 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 <laughs> well, yeah, guys. Uh, welcome back to the Superhero Homies Podcast. My name is Quentin, and as always, I am here with the homie Kevin. Well, 15 minutes in, ladies, gentlemen, boys, and girls, welcome back <laughs> to the show. So we're here yeah. for the second half of our double feature regarding some scary stories for the Halloween season. Yes. What's scarier than some of the cool things that happened to our boy John Constantine? As you obviously know, we're talking about tonight, thanks to you know our intro sequence here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be talking about Hellblazer tonight, specifically a story written by Garth Ennis known as Dangerous Habits. Yep. Uh, it is regarded as one of, if not the best, Constantine story ever written. Which is uh, also a huge compliment because this is one of the ones that really sold Garth Enix as a writer, if I'm not mistaken. Like, this is yeah. one of the beginning things, like, the beginning bestsellers of his many bestsellers now. Yeah, yeah this this story uh, was actually the first story that he wrote for Constantine. And I believe also that Garth was, I think he was like 20 years old when he wrote this, or he was close to that he was extremely young when he wrote this uh so not a matter of many years and also another fun fact is that uh he uh garth enis he started writing this around i think it's issue 40 because I'm, I'm i used the omnibus here i have the 
the Garth Ennis Hellblazer Omnibus here, which has everything that Garth wrote for the character, which is quite a bit, thankfully. Uh, but uh, the person who started writing the Hellblazer um, or the Hellblazer run was Jamie Delano, and then after 40 issues, Jamie left, and then uh, they hired a very young and green Garth Ennis to do it. But uh, there were a lot of writers who were up uh, for the running, and one of those writers was actually uh, Mark Miller. He was oh, actually dang. up in the running. And That's I, a compliment. Yeah, yeah I wonder wow. what that... Uh, what that discussion entailed. Yeah, well, I wonder what that run would have looked like as well. Oh, that too. Yeah. Alternate universe time. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. John Constantine Hellblazer by Mark Miller. It's easy to say. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what other universe superhero <laughs> homies are up to right now. Uh, I yeah. would say they have, well, I guess they can still have goatees. We don't, we don't technically have goatees. Yeah. I'd like to imagine other universe us is definitely, uh, you know, they take care of their facial hair as well. <laughs> you know? He's looking at you, beard companies. Yeah. Let us sponsor uh, you. So this is the first story, though, that Garth Ennis has written for the character of uh, of Constantine. Now, awesome. If you if you homies listening are across the pond, as they say, then yes, it is pronounced Constantine. Uh, if you oh, ask either yeah. Garth Ennis or Alan Moore, the gentleman who created Constantine, they would tell you it's pronounced Constantine. However. Uh, DC is an American company, and they have trained everybody to pronounce it as Constantine. Even in the uh, in the in the TV show, which is very faithful to the source material, uh, it is known as Constantine. Wow, and not Talk Constantine. Yeah, you know, actually, fascinating fact. One minute sidebar. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about our our brethren across the big water. And, you know, our American selves as we are. Um, I learned the fascinating history why America spells certain words more lazily with less letters. Hmm. So, for instance, color. How do we spell it here in the States? Oh, yeah. Uh, W-C-K-L-O-R. You're great. So <laughs> C-O-L-O-R. Yes. Thank you. Yes. yes. And of, uh, in the big, you know, across the big pond, you got C-O-L-O-U-R. And then, like, certain other words, you know, we would have, like, a double lettering before the uh, the Jared ending and things like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas, whenever we started typing things out on newspaper, what had happened was actually newspaper was like, no, 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 we don't want to pay for that much ink. So, right. start taking unnecessary vowels and extra letterings out. So, yeah. things like color became C-O-L-O-R. It's sad I have to actually think about that before I spell <laughs> it in front of all the listeners. Like, I'm sitting there like, you're about to spell it wrong. But, yeah, things like that, that's, mm. you know, why America has certain words that spell totally different now. Like, and then uh, there's words that we add letters to, like canceled. <laughs> actually, in America, well, actually, America does it both. But I, I know that yeah. in America, that was one of the words, too, where it's like, we took out the second L for the sake of newspaper writing. Oh, I, thought, I thought we kept the second L, and over across the pond, well, there was always one thing. L. If, if you look at it, both are accepted now. Oh yeah, yeah. But I, Just because we don't learn how to spell, we're <laughs> we're America, yep. not America, America. So now that you guys have a uh, history. history lesson slash English lesson, I guess uh, we can go ahead and get into the story. So uh, if if you guys aren't that familiar with the character of Constantine, he is John Constantine is a a sorcerer. Uh, he is a warlock. Uh, he is a practitioner of magic, but he is also a con man. Some would say primarily a con man. He is a swindler. A con magic man. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he is a swindler. He is very good with words, and he is very good with manipulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, very charismatic. Very tricky. Absolutely so. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, he was created as a side character for uh, Swamp Thing uh, during the Alan Moore run of Swamp Thing, and uh, the character became so popular that he was able to spin off and get his own series. And yeah. Here you have him. So actually, real quick, um, thank you for the synopsis. Mm-hmm. One of my earliest uh, introductions to Constantine and to his, you know, schwarmy, uh, you know, charismatic, tricky self mm-hmm. was actually um, DC's animated feature, uh, Just, a Dark Justice League, mm-hmm. which was a really great introductory piece if you've never witnessed John Constantine at his finest. Apocalypse War, right? No, no, no. Dark Justice League, the movie oh, first. The military, yeah, the first, yeah. And then Dark uh, Apocalypse War was the follow-up movie where he actually took another pivotal role there, and that yeah. was fascinating, too. Um, this was one of the first actual John Constantine-based reads I've ever done. Now, I've only read the story once. I'm prepared still to talk about it tonight, mm-hmm. but it was fascinating reading up about him, too. The only non-Constantine thing, Constantine, or Tyne, thing that I've watched regarding our boy here tonight was definitely the little short snippet in preparation for tonight regarding the Keanu Reeves movie. Oh, yes. That was like, well, no, I, I, I've seen and read enough of this now to, <laughs> to kind of know better. Yeah. yeah. So if your knowledge of Constantine is based on the Keanu Reeves movie, well, be prepared for a little bit of difference. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And the Keanu Reeves movie was very... It's interesting the fact that this movie was even made. If you look at... <laughs> I mean, that could be said for a lot. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. But if you look at the state of comic book movies, especially around this time frame, 2005, is when the Constantine movie came out. It's like comic book movies were still really trying to find their footing. It's like if you weren't Spider-Man or X-Men, then you were yeah. really kind of lost in the shuffle. Yeah, Like a few of you became cult favorites, like Blade 1. And Actually, few- shit. I, I say that, but then it's like... What's up? 2005, Batman Begins came out, and that kind of blew everything out of the water. Well, that was a great one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's I mean, like, I uh, so it's kind of hard to, to make too many excuses for it. Uh, but the only other excuse I have for the 2005 movie is that Constantine back then was a relatively unknown character. And they were able to take a lot of liberties with it. A lot of liberties. Um well, now actually, we also have to give credit to um, the, sh- the TV show, John Constantine. Yes. It only got one season, sadly. Only got one season. Which is really trash. It is. You know, I-, I wish it got more. But Yeah. Yeah. Um, Matt Ryan was the guy who played Constantine in the TV series, and Matt Ryan was phenomenal. Like, this guy looked, sounded, acted like Constantine. Every time he was on TV, I was like, yeah, that's the guy. That's him. Uh, and yeah, his show only got one season. Uh, I guess a, a little silver lining was that he was uh, brought back in like the Arrowverse crossover. So like whenever they needed a magic guy there really bad, he would show up. Good. Yeah, that's that same character. So that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I can only CW. hope that he. <laughs> I can only hope that he reprises his role for the Justice League Dark TV show. Yeah. Uh, that they're doing. Uh, I mean, there's no need to go out and, and do casting for it. You guys already have a Constantine in Matt Ryan. He's great. Uh, but uh, one more other kind of fun fact, something else that I, I looked up because I was curious. Uh, like I said, guys, the, the version of, uh, of 
Hellblazer that I'm reading is in the the omnibus, mm-hmm. and uh, I've read the entire thing, and I realized that I never, <laughs> never once understood why is this called Hellblazer, and probably because he doesn't uh, take no typical path. He he blazes his own trail. <laughs> it, it would be the synopsis I I surmise, even though I have not read the full mm. Omni, mm. so that's unfair of me to say. But I'm I'm clearly taking a pretty confident shot in the dark there. But what 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 would you surmise, buddy? One who's read the full Omni, mayhaps more than once. <laughs> the the reasoning behind it is simple and very funny. It's because they were they wanted to um, call it Hellraiser, but they were beat to the punch by the Clive Barker movie um. called Hellraiser. Well, I like my reason more. <laughs> and they were like, well, screw it. We're just going to call it Hellblazer then. And <laughs> and no other reason. So it, the name really doesn't mean anything. He's never referred to as the Hellblazer. Uh, they never dropped the terminology. It's just the name of his run. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so. It's... I like my reason more. <laughs> I'm going to go to bed tonight believing mine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Homies, join me. Uh, yes. <laughs> Anyways, so let's get started. So one thing that uh, most of the homies know out there especially is that uh, we we like to break down the book in uh, in a loose synopsis, not to, you know, spoil too much for all the listeners out there, especially those joining us for the first time, which mayhaps you are tonight, if you are, welcome. But we like to also give like a loose breakdown to help people kind of like get uh, a general idea if this is something that they're going to enjoy and thus consequently hopefully purchase to support comic books in its great entirety. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, with that being said, there will be spoilers ahead. Exactly. So, there you go. Yeah. The norm and, for this uh, show. Yeah, the norm for this show. And, and also, guys, like, last week we did uh, Arkham Asylum by Grant Morrison. Oh, yeah. And this week we're doing, of course, Dangerous Habits by Garth Ennis. Both of these are, like, 30-year-old stories. So... That too. That too. <laughs> I say that mostly just to poke fun. So true. Like, yeah. like, 30-year-old spoiler warning. True. Um, so, yeah. There you go. There you have it. Yeah. You don't have to buy the Omni in order to enjoy the story, but it's available too. Mm-hmm. Or actually, is it still in print, buddy? You you would actually know the truth of that. I believe it actually um, is still in print. It it may not be uh, readily in stock, but it is still in print. Right. So there I is, mean, it's not like we work for the stories. We can't right, exactly yeah. speak for their shelves, their inventory. <laughs> yeah. But homies, if you couldn't tell, if if I've made myself home in this genre with superheroes and heroines and, and talking about their great features and stories, Q built the fucking house. You know? Uh, this is definitely a genre that I rely on you for your experience and namesake in. So definitely, brother, why don't you introduce us tonight? What happens to our magical man, John Constantine? <laughs> well, I'm terrible with construction, so I definitely didn't, didn't build any houses, guys. And if I did, I would advise you to not live in it. <laughs> we, no, we, we did. No, never mind. I was about to say, we did pretty good on our, we built a coffee table, but that's not true. I built a yeah, coffee table. Yeah, you built a coffee, coffee table. Yeah. <laughs> I used pallets. Yeah. <laughs> but anywho, uh, I, you, trust me, buddy, you, you, I believe in you. You know, I, it, you know, I, Just I, don't build a house out of comic books. That'd be a waste of comic books. That'd be, yeah, exactly. I'd be like, buddy, what is this? I'd never, I'd never do that. <laughs> it's disrespectful as hell. It is. Uh, so this story picks up, and they don't really waste any time. Uh, Garth Ennis, uh, he decides, it's almost like you can feel the creative process behind Garth's writing here. He was like, 
Alan Moore created this character who really stood out, and Jamie Delano did such a great job with the first 40 issues of Hellblazer. How do I really stand out here? This is my first really big gig. I'm going to kill him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. So the way that the starts off is that Constantine is uh, effectively dying. He is puking horribly, and he realizes that what he's puking isn't just normal bile, but there's little bits of him. And there's blood, and he didn't bite his lip. What a simple explanation. Yep. And he didn't bite his lip. That's, like, underwhelming. That's, like, the understatement here. Because <laughs> go figure, the cough attacks that he's been having here were the early or, you know, later signs of lung cancer. Yep. Which, you know, if you watch Constantine and exactly how many sticks a day he smokes, that might not be too surprising, you know. Yes. We've all heard of the surgeon's general warning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty sure they got something equivalent to it across the big water, too, you know? Yeah, yeah you I, mentioned they have to, right? Yeah, although I'm, I'm pretty confident the Surgeon General's warning is a very American thing, so I wonder what they got in, in Europe. Huh. Well, hopefully, um, you know, the, the FDA and companies over there care more about their people than the <laughs> American corporations do. So maybe, they're, maybe they had theirs even longer, who knows? Hopefully so, yeah. hopefully so. Like, wait, Let's wait, take wait. some pot shots at, at, at some policies. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, how when was it finally made known in America that, hey, cigarettes are bad for you? Wasn't that right? like the, was it the 60s? I think so. I think, no, because that's what my brain told me as well. So, yeah. Well, yeah. And cigarettes um, were around for decades before that, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> Give me a second. I'm about to look it up. And it's like... Come on, you guys definitely knew that that these cancer sticks were cancer sticks, and you didn't didn't bother to tell anybody until decades later. Well, okay. Uh, another interesting fact here is that Constantine smokes uh, silk cuts, which that is an actual British uh, cigarette, or at least it was at the time of the creation of this book. Uh, but that's what he smokes, and also, what brother? Give me some fucking skin. What? Yeah, we were right. On January 11th, 1964, mm. uh, Luther L. Terry, who was, you know, a, a doctor, um, the Surgeon General of the U.S., released the first report for Surgeon General's adversary uh, warning about smoking and its, uh, you know, withdrawals on health. Yep. There you have it. Yep. 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 Anyways, okay, that was fun. Uh, 1964. 1964. Uh, but so, yeah, at, at this point, Constantine realizes that he's dying. And it's funny because he, he seems a little underwhelmed by it. Like, he, he seems, ups- obviously, he's upset that he's dying. Yeah. But it's the fact that it's not a demon that's killing him. It's, it's not some somebody from his past that he's screwed over. Right. It's not some grand catastrophe. It's almost like, a, oh, man, my tire went flat. Oh, man, I don't have, I don't have a spare in, in the trunk. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have a spare in the boot. It's, it's the fact that he's dying of something that isn't supernatural and he's not being murdered by somebody that he screwed over in the past is cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of his closest companions, his cigarettes are killing him. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, you know, he, uh, he goes to the doctor and, uh, <laughs> and the doctor's like, Hey, uh, you want to, I want to uh, have a seat for this one. Uh, so, 
Uh, yeah, so you know, uh, we got your test results back. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, we uh, and um, if that's the only good news, boy, 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 this is some nice weather we have here. Man, his co- his doctor's incompetent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, about your test results, man. Um, so yeah, it's terminal. Uh, <laughs> it is cancer. <laughs> Very late stages. I mean, wow. How many do you smoke? Thirty a day, you say? Uh, yeah, yeah. That that'll do it. That'll do it. <laughs> oh, and it's like, I, I, that would be like a, a rough conversation for both parties. Yeah. Because it's like, if I'm in Constantine's shoes, after I get after I get that, that, oh, oh, it's terminal. There's nothing. Oh, okay. Right. I really don't give a fuck about what else you have to say here. Which Constantine doesn't. He, he right. kind of zones out. He does, yeah. <laughs> At that point, it's like, either... You're on board, and you're just like, well, what's the plan? How are we going to fight this thing? You know, mm-hmm. is there a chance? Is it worth fighting? Or you kind of do like a, what Walter White did, you know? Mm. And you just kind of like, you zone out, you lose the conversation. Excuse me, you uh, have a mustard stain on your shirt. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Breaking Bad. Yep. I do wonder, like, how differently Constantine would have acted if the doctor was like, well... It is advanced, but it's not terminal. So, like, we, we, we can, if we work at this, we can find I'd imagine a, a lot in the same, because once you hear the big C-bomb, mm, it's still the big C-bomb, yeah. you know? Cancer is cancer. That is true. Yeah. I just, when I think about Constantine's personality, his is the type where it's like... Well, oh, true. Yeah, it's like, it's like uh, he's like, bugger that, you know? If, like... Well... For for real people and real mm. common sense, you don't put that on the back burner. You don't say, <laughs> eh, I'll fix it later. Mm. This isn't exactly like a leaky pipe. No, no, no. Yeah. You gotta get on that now. Yeah, of, of course not. Yeah. But if you have magic at your disposal. True. Then you you, you try to find as many loopholes as you I can. I wish we all had magic at our disposal, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he gets that news that, yeah, he's, uh, he's fucking dying. And there's... And then this is one of those things where it's like something he loves so much, a cigarette is killing him, and his magic, for all his work, can't help him. Yeah. Uh, and it's really at this point now where he has to kind of come to terms with the fact that he's that he's going to bite it, and he realizes that yeah, he needs to he needs to make peace with this. But he has some some awful nightmares about people from his past that he's let down. And uh, if you guys go back and read some early issues of Hellblazer, it really kind of. Yeah, it sells itself. It sells itself. Uh, it's 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 some intense stuff that he has there, and um, what's brilliant about like the nightmares he has is that it's like I don't know how much of these are just strictly nightmares made by his own brain chemistry, and how much of this is could be potentially people from his past reaching out to him, or vice yes. versa. Yeah, it's hard to tell with a magical being like John Constantine because the way that they play with magic in this uh, canonization, the way that they play with in this universe, it is is really cool. It's more flexible, you know? So there's definitely a lot more mystic at work here rather than here's a forbearing known universe of magic and we have a, a formal rule set for it and things like that, you know? It's, it's more like, well, let me see what source this is coming from, you know? And they just kind of work it into... Uh, and, of course, a lot of that is more based on the writer and their ability to work with something as whimsical and as, you know free as magic is so yeah yeah and that's me overanalyzing well you know like in 
even the thing about this is that like I also enjoy reading a, a good Doctor Strange story, um, you know. And but one of the main differences between Constantine and Doctor Strange isn't even technically so much the power set, but it's more like the usage. Right. Whereas Constantine, especially in, in the Garth Ennis run, Constantine never really likes to use magic hmm. because he knows it comes with a cost. And it's one of those things um, where it's like if the I... The law of equivalent exchange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a nerd. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, it's like it, it comes with a cost and it's like, well... You know, I don't, I, do I really want to pay whatever this cost? Uh, I mean, and that's where the con man in him comes out at. It's more of a con man than he yes. likes to be a warlock. Yeah. Uh, but he would be a warlock when he needs to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, the, just to kind of progress the story on more, um, essentially what happens is that Constantine realizes that he has to do something about this cancer. Like, he's not going to let it kick his, kick his ass. And the way this happens is that he, uh, he visits... Essentially, like this, uh, th- this, this ward for terminally ill p- uh, patients. Uh, it's it's basically hospice at this point, just the state that the people are in here. And uh, he goes in under the guise that he's looking into it because he has an aunt that has terminal cancer, terminal lung cancer, hmm. and uh, that that's the excuse that he gives to the people there, uh, except for this one guy who gets his attention named Matt. Uh, Matt is a pretty pivotal character for this entire uh, five-issue miniseries. Uh, Matt is an, an older gentleman who is uh, bed-stricken, who had, also has terminal cancer. This guy has, like, at least four different types of cancers in his ah, body. Uh, yeah, Matt is all kinds of messed up. But Matt's personality and his disposition uh, makes him such a great character. Uh, because one of the first things he, he asked Constantine is, uh, you know, do you have a smoke on you? Ah. And uh, and of course he does. Of course. Yeah. And I th- these two really hit it off. And the reason they hit it off is because they have so much in common. They're such kindred spirits. And what this place does for Constantine is makes him realize that he doesn't want to go out like this. Uh, if he wants to go out, it's, it's got to be on his own terms. He's got to find his own way. And, uh, but the thing of it is, though, is that he really likes this old guy named Matt. Uh, and he even tells Matt that, he, he tells Matt the truth. He goes, yeah, um, I was thinking about checking in here myself. And uh, after having uh, quite the, the conversation, uh, Constantine tells him, you know, I'll, I'm going to come back and see you. Nice. And, uh, yeah, so it was. Uh, he made a friend. He made a friend. Yeah, and. Uh, and so the thing that happens next is that he realizes that, okay, well, i got to start uh, getting some affairs in order. Uh, and this is really when things start to pick up here. And issue two is when he goes to Ireland to visit one of his old friends. Good old Brendan Finn. Now, this was fascinating. Yes. This was a lot of fun. So I have heard legend of this story, but I've only heard mm. legend of the conclusion of mm. the story, which I won't give away yet for all those cool listeners with the virgin ears out there. Yes. Now... I loved the comeuppance of how this came to be. Oh, yeah. And, like, I never saw it coming. Right. Although, it does not surprise me knowing the character. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I know him much better now, but homies, just wait. But yeah. Look, let's see what good old Brendan Finn, his Ireland friend. Yes. yes, I made that all rhyme together. Has got to say with him. I'm here for you, buddy. Yep. Thank you. Yep, thank Brendan you. Finn, the Ireland friend. Ha, 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 ha. 
So uh, the sickness is getting to Constantine more and more. He's getting down with the sickness. What's up, buddy? Yeah, no, you hit the right ones. Nope. Yes, nope. yeah. It's okay. It's too late now. It's okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, but anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, Constantine he makes it. Uh, he does make it to uh, to Ireland to go visit his friend, and uh, his friend Brendan was also a practitioner with magic. But Brendan says, yeah, you know, I gave it up for a new love. And uh, Brendan is a very passionate man when it comes to the spirits. And by spirits, I mean alcohol. Yeah, drinking. <laughs> what, what? Brendan is actually a fascinating character because, so so real quick here, I wanted to take a sidebar. Yes. Uh, and still sticking with the story, mm-hmm. I want to talk about, like, the general tone and, or, or more correctly, the theme of the story, because the tone kind of follows the thoughts and the narration of John Constantine, almost like a, almost like a, a good PI story. Like he's mm-hmm. just investigating almost how to solve this problem, which in this case is curing his cancer and living. Yeah. Um, you know what an inconvenient problem to have, right? I mean, <laughs> come on. Um, excuse me. Now the theme of the story here, if if I was to contextualize the story. And to just give you a rough word by word, uh, you know, synopsis breakdown of what this is, it would sound almost like a forgotten book of the Apocrypha. Because there's a lot of religious subtext here. There's a lot of layered theology going on here, playing a lot with Christianity and Judo Christianity as well, you know. Um, you know, be that as it may, mm-hmm. this, this book does not uh, intend to be theological in its tone. Now, in the theme, however, they touch on a lot of known Christian stuff, which I find oh, fascinating yeah. because I already have a soft tooth for theology as it mm-hmm. is. Um, you know, that, that's a whole other thing. But um, I, I, I have a deep appreciation for if I was to reread this and make it sound a little bit more King Jamesy, this would sound like a book of the Apocrypha. You know, and, and you, you already know the Apocrypha being like mm-hmm. the tomes that were not accepted in the King James Version of the rewritten Bible. Right. So, and it's fascinating because it almost sounds like the reverse book of Job, you know, mm. where Job had all the downfalling and all the bad things happening to him. Right. John Constantine just keeps falling upwards, you know, <laughs> and it's just like his run in with all these characters and all these like, you know, beings and, and entities who also happen to be known religious entities. We'll come to, to them in a minute. Mm. Um, it, it's just fascinating to me. I was like, John keeps falling upwards in the best of luck. You know? I I think I challenged the best of luck stuff or even falling upwards. Like his... I, I, I look at this as like his the luck. best of a bad situation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And in my mind, like, he's already starting with a really crappy hand. Like yeah. he's he he's starting his poker game with a pair of threes. That ain't much, right? That ain't much at all, you know. Um, but he's able to somehow work his way up, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like shit gets worse before it gets better. True. Let, let's talk about that. Yeah. Uh, he and Brendan, we get the idea they haven't seen each other in some years. Brendan mentions a girlfriend of Constantine that that's long since passed. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brendan has had a girlfriend. They're not Facebook his, friends. Yeah, not Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not, they're not uh, friends on Facebook. You know, uh, the, one, Brendan has a, an active account. 
And you know Constantine's only on Instagram for the ass. By the way, uh, <laughs> aren't we all? Aren't we all? What are we all really scrolling for? Come on. Oh yeah. Quick plug. Go ahead if you haven't already, uh, homies listening. Hit up and follow our Facebook page. That way you can stay up to you know up to date on all of our awesome memes and our constant updates. And soon we're going to be doing some reworks on our videos because videos of the past weren't uploading smoothly. So we're rethinking how to do them so they actually upload and we can do it more often and more easily. So yes. get ready for some of that awesomeness and that kickassery because you want to be subscribed to it. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, we're also on Twitter and oddly enough Instagram. Uh, <laughs> So you can hit Instagram for our asses. Yeah, there yeah, you go. You know, I'm yeah. going to post some news later on um, oh, to, my, uh, to my OnlyFans. You guys there you can go. go to there you go. Superhomies.com backslash OnlyFans. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no one wants that. It's just you posing <laughs> right. with each graphic novel, yeah. yours, each omnibus. Oh, oh so bad. Uh, Actually, or... you'd be one of the first people kicked off of OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Uh, Actually, I'd imagine quite a few people have kicked off, but look, I'm I'm derailing. I'm derailing. So, uh, Brendan and and John they get drunk a lot. Mm-hmm. And now, what what also is important to know here is the subtext of this meeting, because Constantine is going to Brendan in hopes that Brendan, uh, in his cleverness and in his old magical ways, right, has some type of plan or idea that can potentially cure John of his cancer. Uh, and John is kind of waiting for the right moment to to spring this on Brendan. He doesn't just want to come out in the blue and then like drop that on him. Classic, classic wordsmith. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's exactly what's going on here. Uh, Brendan is also it's important to know he's also kind of still, I'd say, in the, in the late stages of recovering from uh, from a broken heart of his own. He has a girlfriend named Kit who uh, who was quite the lovely person. Uh, she. Dumb, dumb, and left them some time ago. And how, uh, how dare Kit Harrington do that? <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's all. But it, this is probably uh, what led him down to drinking even more. But Constantine suspects that his drinking probably drove Kit away in the first place. Uh, but no, anyway. So uh, Brendan is is sloshed. He looks like shit. But uh, he and John are having a great old time. And then Brendan goes, "Well, hey." You know, uh, I, like this stuff up here is, is nice and dandy, but I keep the good shit down below in the cellar um, or in the basement. Wow. Yeah, in the wine cellar. Wine cellar, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so he takes them below, and there's like just walls of wine. And Brendan, I get the idea. He, he cares about his wine the same way I care about my comics. It's like, you know, I, I can't drink my comics or, or, or get drunk from them, technically. But Brendan. Mm-hmm. He has a, a blast uh, with his winery and with all of his uh, his liquors and alcohol. And uh, he goes, well, uh, the, the wine is nice, but I have my fill of wine. What I have here is, is something that's even better. And uh, he takes him to uh, um, to this this ritual that he has set up in the cellar. And Constantine's like, I thought you said you gave up magic. And Brandon's like, yeah, well, you know, whatever, kind of. And what Brendan has set up here was there was a, a well uh, that was actually like, kind of like a spring of water. And this well was, this well of water was blessed by a saint uh, many, many, many years ago. 
And what Brendan did was that he uses a type of magic and a ritual. This is fascinating. That he sets up that transmutes this holy water into uh, the the greatest Guinness that the world has ever known. Essentially, our boy, uh, you know, Brendan here has been studying, you know, some other fascinating uh, endless questions. Uh, he's learned essentially what, if I'm, you know, if I remember this correctly, mm-hmm. how Jesus turned water to wine. You know, he used that as an example. Right. You know, Jesus turned it into wine, but, uh, you know, why not Guinness? How, how, because uh, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. you know, I'm not exactly uh, super <laughs> European myself being a good old Georgia boy, mm. but I'm pretty sure Guinness is like one of the more favored beers. Yeah. I, I, that's what movies and media teach me. So I have no idea. Please don't judge me because I, I could be entirely wrong. I don't know, but I, yeah, I'm, I, I'm prepared I, to accept that. Yeah, I assume the same thing. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's just a type of beer. Oh, no, it is a type yeah. of beer, but I think it's the preferred one. And oh yeah, I yeah. know it's uh, it's consumed warm. Yeah, I mean they even mentioned that here. Simon Pegg movies teach me that. <laughs> uh, but so he he uses this ritual to transmute this holy water into Guinness, and uh, this this ritual does include like the burnings of candles set up in a certain pattern. And as long as the candles are burning, then the holy water is this magical Guinness, and. The way that Constantine describes it, it just sounds like the most magical thing ever. Like, it is just utterly delicious. Hmm. And here's the thing, guys. It's like, I I despise beer. But it's <laughs> like, this sounds amazing. They <laughs> it's like, it well. <laughs> they do. It's like, Garth... It's like, man, Garth really loves his beer. He, like, you can tell. He has to. <laughs> There's no other way right. that, <laughs> that he could write this. Uh but no, the, oh, go ahead. no, I was actually just remembering um, a, a little short story here. So I remember listening to a radio show a while back ago, and they were talking about the guy who uh, runs the John Adams Brewery, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they were talking about having him on air, and they played a game with him where they had like 40 different types of beer, and they're all different brands, different flavors, and things like that. And they tested John by not telling him what they were, telling him, hey, sip this Tell us which brand and, and which flavor you think it is. He got all 40 of those right. And it's fascinating to me that there are people out there like that, like uh, the, the CEO of John Adams yeah. and, and Mr. Garth Phoenix and their, um, their inept breakdown of beer. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's some next-level shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, no, no offense to any beer drinkers out there, but it all tastes like piss to me. <laughs> and I can only imagine what Guinness tastes like because uh, Garth does describe it as being a warm in texture. And I'm like, warm beer is even worse. Like, you can't convince me. <laughs> I, I'd have to try it the way they do to, to truly get that, I guess. But, um, yeah. I, I, I like my alcohols, liquor and dark. <laughs> nice. To tequila or whiskey. Uh, fuck anything else for me. <laughs> But um, Dang. but what happens here is that they get they get even more shit faced. Like they were already drunk when they made it down here, and uh, it's at this point now where when they're both right and and just completely sloshed, that Constantine decides to drop the bombshell on them. So he, he tells Brendan the truth. He tells him so. I I found out recently that I'm dying of lung cancer, 
And I, I came down here for, to you hoping, man, that you can help me out, that you can provide some way that you knew of some secret that I didn't that can help me out here. Mm-hmm. And Brendan starts laughing, and then he the laughter just picks up with him. What a friend. Yeah. And Constantine gets pissed. I would, too. Oh, yeah. Like, I just told you I have cancer, buddy. How dare you? <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. yeah, like, I like yeah, this shit is terminal, man. Like, what? Think this is a game, mm-hmm. and, and Constantine gets rightly pissed, and and then Brendan breaks news to him. He goes, "Man, I'm dying from liver cancer or from liver failure, and I I was coming to you hoping that you could help me out." And and so at that point, like the two realize that, oh, we were hoping for the same thing from each other, right? But we the blind can't. leading the blind, yeah, yeah. But we can't help each other out at all. In other words, they were both royally fucked. Mm-hmm. And so th- these two close friends are both dying. And hell, at this point, I don't blame them. Yeah, just get drunk because. What else you going to do? What else you going to do? Yeah. Uh, but eventually what happens, though, is that uh, Brendan realized that, yep, you know, my time here is, uh, I think it's coming up soon, my friend. Like, so, and, and it's really it's really kind of poetic and uh, a little, a little heartbreaking and heartwarming. What Brendan says, uh, he, he and John say goodbyes. Like they're see each other again. Uh, mm-hmm. Brendan essentially says, all right, uh, I'll see you soon. And, and I mean, when most people say that, what they mean yeah. is, you know, Hey man, I'll see you next week when you drop by, but no, right. what he means is I'm going to die here tonight, John. And I know that you'll die soon, so I'll see you soon. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a very poetic way. It's very powerful, especially um, knowing what they were talking about before. Because out of context, you're right. It just sounds like, oh, hey, what's up, man? I got to go to work. See you later. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, not to over-explain it, but at this point, oh, we're both about to die. Well, guess we'll die together. See you soon, pal. Yeah, see you soon. Uh, the official yeah. tipping of the hat. All right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's like John. You know the way out. So I'm gonna sit down here and rest. You know, if by rest you mean die, yeah, die in your chair. Okay. <laughs> Which I mean, he went out a pretty, uh, pretty interesting way. You know, just drank himself stupid. Hell yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Why not? You know. Yeah. So uh, on the way Wait, out, is that how Ernest Hemingway died? I don't remember. Or did he do? I don't know. Maybe not appropriate to talk about. Mm. Yeah, could not tell you. Yeah. On the on the way out. John smells this smelly smell that smells smelly. <laughs> I, I anchovies. <laughs> uh, and when John goes to open the door, the front door leading outside, uh, he's horrified and he's greeted by this rather dapper man. Yep. And One of the uh, other main characters of this story. Oh, yes, yes. And this man, uh, he, you know, he, he's very suave with this words. He says something to the effect of, you don't have to invite me in, but it'd be polite if you did. And uh, he kind of... One could say that, uh, you know, if this man were allowed to introduce himself, he would be a man of wealth and taste. He's been around for a long, long years. Oh, yeah. Still he's seen a lot. man's soul to waste. Yep. He was around when Jesus Christ had his moments of doubt and pain oh yeah you know what i'm doing yet buddy i have no idea i was about I to say I, you're I, quoting something. I am i am i'm playing one of my white cards that's rolling stones mm-hmm. yep yep great song 
pleased to meet you. Hope you guess my name. Do, do. Nothing? Yeah. All right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if we had the power and the production value, I, I would have that play in the background right now so all the homies can hear it. And me and you are just like, you know what I'm talking about? Nah, man. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, Constantine, you get the idea that he knows exactly who this man is. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's at this point that it's, uh, uh, it's revealed that, yeah, this uh, this gentleman, is uh, he's, he is a lord of hell. Mm-hmm. And he has come to claim Brendan's soul. You see, Brendan... He didn't use any type of magic. He used a, rit- a ritualistic type of magic to create this holy stout. And the way that he did it was that he made a deal with the Lord of Hell. And in this deal, he essentially claimed that uh, if if his soul isn't claimed by midnight on the day that he dies, then uh, the, the deal is forfeit and his soul won't go to hell, but his soul can be redeemed. But what a fun technical term. What a fun and... S- strange technical uh, setting for a deal, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, it's almost like one who believes their omnipotence has no bounds, so they have to give themselves some type of restriction, some type of handicap, mm-hmm. you know, to, to make it a, a fun thing, if not a challenge, you know? Yeah, um, I, I view this as like Brendan trying to set the groundworks and uh, and the Lord of Hell agreeing to it because no man has outsmarted him like there's no way out of a contract. I can see that too, you know, except for when the devil went down to Georgia and lost his uh, fiddle match. But yeah, mm-hmm. yep, I got you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. No, no, no. It's okay. Okay, I back off. Please continue. All right, Please continue. Okay. <laughs> okay, that was close, homies. That was close. It was. <laughs> uh. Too many song references. Okay. <laughs> but there's just a lot of devil music. <laughs> Isn't that what they call rock and roll back in the 70s? Right. Satanic panic and all that shit. Yeah, right. Uh, anyways. Dude, D&D was part of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what this gentleman does, this japper, uh, dapper gentleman does, is that, yeah, he's here. He should have claimed Brendan's soul. And uh, he goes down. He even, you know, comments about how, you know, he, he, can't, he can't believe that Humans still try to make these workarounds in these contracts that can potentially help them to slide on by. Mm-hmm. He's like, no. And he's so smug and arrogant, and he's just kind of an asshole. Right. Uh, but he's so smug and, and just uh, fucking charming about it all. And he talks shit about Constantine, too. He says, you know, things like, you know, Constantine, your dad is burning in hell because of his hatred for you. And like he that's just, rough. it is, yeah. And uh, and that's the thing about him, like you don't know if he's partially bullshitting or if he's being completely honest. Mm-hmm. Could be both. There's a lot of unknown layers uh, mm-hmm. to this whole story, to a lot of these characters, even you know. Um, in reading this, I had wondered mm-hmm. if uh, if there wasn't a part of John, whenever he saw and learned of the conditions here. That he didn't immediately strategize and put this plan together on the spot, you know. Obviously, we see some of the outcome of that, and it kind of you know supports that. Mm-hmm. But that might just be more like as a matter of fact, like coincidental more than anything so strategic. Uh, I don't know. There's mm-hmm. a part of me that fantasized about it because that was the John I was introduced to, mm-hmm. one who saw the end game and the long game 
better than most, yeah. you know, uh, i.e. the the ones, you know, the John Constantine's in both of those animated features. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, 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 it didn't seem like he came up because he was also shit-faced here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's very hard to plan well while shit face. Yeah. <laughs> and also would like to do something that no other man has done before. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he'll always have that. Um, but what Constantine does is, is pretty brilliant. So uh, this Lord of Hell is, is talking shit about Brendan mm-hmm. and about how, you know, mm-hmm. Brendan's life is shit and he looks like shit and he made a shit deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, the devil was like, "Well, you know, he has about five minutes or three minutes, however long. He's 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 close to pe- uh, close to uh, he's Ben is already dead, but he has to wait till midnight to claim his soul. If he waits beyond that, then his soul is his soul uh, goes free. Yeah, soul goes free. And uh, what Constantine does is, is is pretty brilliant here. So uh, the the ritual candles are still burning, which means that the holy water is still stout, the greatest Guinness ever known to man." And Constantine goes, you know, I always wanted to have a drink with the devil, and I can't think of anyone who who deserves that more than me. Mm. And uh, and and this this Lord of Hell is like, oh yeah, sure or not, I'll, I'll indulge. I'll have a drink. Yeah, I have time. <laughs> yeah, let me let me taste this Guinness. Yeah, let me taste some of this. Let, let me see what warm beer is. Right, let, me, <laughs> let me see what this man traded his soul for. Right, <laughs> right. And it's uh, better hit. Right. <laughs> and he drinks, and he goes. Not bad. This is, <laughs> this is pretty, pretty good. good. Pretty good. Of all things to sell one soul for. Right. I, yeah. I get I get this. This makes sense. <laughs> uh and right. uh and John goes, Yeah, you know, it, it it tastes good going down, right? You know, it's not bad for holy water and, and the Lord of Hell goes, Yeah, wait, what was that last part now? Which it's like <laughs> if one could do a spit take. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm sorry, you said you said what now? Because yeah. constantly <laughs> waits till he drinks the entire thing, mm-hmm. the entire glass. And and then after that, Constantine knocks over the ritual table, putting out the candles, thus reverting the Guinness back into holy water. And it, it would essentially be like drinking gasoline and then eating a match is what happened. <laughs> Beautiful imagery, brother. Wow. What a way to end it. Yeah. Oof. All right. Oof. I got nothing to come back from that. That's That's done. Yeah, you toast on the inside Oof, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's rough, <laughs> and so that's what happens to this Lord of Hell. He he is uh, beside himself in agony, to put it lightly. Yep. And then Constantine, he could have ended it there. He didn't. Constantine takes one <laughs> of the wine bottles, yep. shatters it, and then just slices this man's face up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then of course he uh, he, he dissipates and and. Goes back to hell, of course, to lick his wounds. But the thing of it is, it is past the time frame. Brendan's soul goes free. What what a great little departure gift. Like, hey, thanks for letting me drink with you. Let me save you from eternal damnation. Yes. Yeah. Now, uh, I think that is, I think that it was technically the fact Brendan uh, sent for Constantine to go visit him this day. Brendan seemed to know that his time was very limited. Mm. So it was more Brendan's plan mm-hmm. and his hope. His hope in yeah. Constantine. Interesting. Yeah. Well, if there is one to hope for and hope in, John Constantine is not a bad choice. Oh, yeah. Regarding yeah. tricking up Lord of Hell. Yes. Yeah. One now, of three. Th- th- these, 
I need you to take note, Kevin, because these are the type of friends that I want in my life. Okay, so now, <laughs> now if 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 I make a deal oh, with yeah. a very very powerful and evil being, I need I need to know that you okay. can find a loophole and get me out of it. All right. Bet. Because I may have already done so, and you got about fifteen minutes. All right, so, okay. well, so this just, is the point just where you can tell me actually what you made the deal for, oh, like no. John Constantine, because well, he got to learn. Yeah, uh, well, the, nope, that, that's such part of the contract. Unfortunately, I can't tell you. So, uh, was it worth it? Uh, uh, whatever you know, whatever you do, just uh, make sure that um, my body isn't desecrated. Okay, whatever the plan is. <laughs> this is getting weird. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it was a very ingenious plan, and it's one of those things where, it's like, in the moment, you got to be feeling feeling a great victory. But oh, then yeah. is it, it'd be like it'd be like having a, a drunken one night stand, where it's like in the moment this is great, and then you wake up and you're like, oh, what have I done? Right, this is terrible. Literally a drunken you know bar fight yeah. essentially, and then you wake up in the next morning like, did I stab? Did I stab Satan in the? Yeah, I stabbed him in the face. I stabbed yeah. Satan in the face. I, I made him drink holy water. Oh, my goodness. Right. I, I am in Just literally putting yourself at the top of Satan's uh, shit list. Yeah. Yeah. Like FBI's most wanted? Yes. That's, that's Satan's list here. Yes. Uh, to kind of fast forward some, one of the next big things that happens here is that Constantine, uh, he goes and he, he goes back to, uh, uh, back to England, mm-hmm. and uh, he visits... Uh, and another old friend named Ella. Now, Ella is actually a demon, a succubus to be exact. And uh, her and Constantine actually have a, a history. Not, not exactly a romantic history, but they, they've worked together. Right. And uh, <laughs> he goes to her and he's like, well, how mad is he? And she goes, oh, he's fucking living. <laughs> <laughs> I told you he's on the top. You're like, you're on the top of the list now, bud. Yeah. yeah. And and Constantine's like, so now you can't afford to die, right? Yeah, yeah. And so now it's like, oh well, it's not like it'd be one thing if you didn't have a terminal illness. Mm-mm. I mean, and then at least you have more time to think about a, a thorough plan, right? Uh, but now you are definitely on a timetable. So it's like beforehand you were just gonna die, and chances are, yeah, you're gonna go to hell because you're Constantine. But at least you weren't going to be tortured by the Lord of Hell for all of eternity. Yeah. Uh, but now, yeah, you, you, you're quite fucked. Yep. And uh, she tells him as much. And she, she, she presents him some ideas, none of which are good. And one of those ideas is, uh, have you tried uh, repenting? Ah. <laughs> it's laughable. And, and she also mentions, um, she doesn't name drop him, but she does mention Swamp Thing. And she goes, have you tried your friend, the elemental, uh, the green one? Mm. He goes, uh, nah. <laughs> he knew better than that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not exactly a friendship thing. Right. <laughs> um, but yes, and, and essentially she goes, well, maybe you should try meeting with the snob. Ah. And uh, reluctantly, John agrees to do so. Now, you may be wondering, who is the snob? Uh, the next thing that happens here is the Constantine goes to this high-end country club. Um I think it's called the Cambridge Club for you know people who gone to Cambridge. That, that's a yeah right. That mm. that seems like a snobbish name. It, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, that seems like a rich person name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and of course, Const- it's been raining a little bit, and Constantine looks like shit. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, probably getting more and more unhealthy at this point. Oh Blood yeah, cancer starting to afflict. Right, yeah. and uh, it's, it's taking a toll on him for sure. 
And he Jedi mind tricks his way inside because the the guy at the front gate, I guess the bouncer for lack of better terms, yeah, doesn't want to let John in. And John goes, "I'm I'm appropriately dressed, and you welcome me in." The guy goes, "Yeah, man, come on in." Ah. <laughs> wow. And it, it's so funny the hypocrisy of John. This was purposely done because not too long ago, John told uh, Brendan that using magic to create. Uh, you know, the world's greatest stout is a bad use of magic. Ah. And now here he is using magic to Obi-Wan Kenobi people and, <laughs> and get inside. I think that's some of the beautiful uh, complexities of, of John here. What makes yeah. him such a fun and fascinating character, you know? Something so human and grounded at the same time as being so, you know, excuse me, so deeply embedded and stuck in this magical world, too. You know? Right. Yeah. Because he navigates this like he's Robin Williams stuck in Jumanji, dude. You know? <laughs> yeah. What year is it? What yeah. year is it? <laughs> uh, but uh, he goes and meets with the snob. And, uh, yeah, this guy's known as a snob for a reason. Mm. Uh, the snob, come to find out, is the angel Gabriel. And what an asshole. Right. <laughs> uh, by the way, guys, if you've seen the, uh, the Constantine movie with Keanu Reeves, uh, Gabriel is played by uh, Tilda Swinton, uh, the ancient one. So there you go. In fact, uh, but no, Gabriel here is just a, a complete asshat, and you get the idea that a lot of the angels in this universe definitely are. And what ends up happening is that John goes to him because he's done a lot of favors. He's done a lot of good. You know, he's cast out a lot of demons. He's right. dispelled a lot of evil. Trying to cash in on some of that debt. Yeah. 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 yeah I've, I've done some holy missionary work, right. man. No, you haven't. <laughs> hey, but you just drank with the devil. Right. <laughs> you literally shared a drink with the devil. Yep. Uh, and Gabriel tells him in no certain terms, no, uh, even if I could help you, I wouldn't. Mm. Which, that's the most assholish way to let someone down. It is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. To just choose to be unfazed by everything. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, if, if someone who I didn't like, even if I just didn't like their guts at all, if they came up to me for help, uh, I would probably tell them, unfortunately, man, I, I can't help you out, man. My hands are right. tied with the situation, which is what Gabriel could have said. It could have. Yeah. It, especially if he was such a good angel like he professed to be. Right. That's that's me making a judgment call, you know. Whatever I think angels should be. Uh -huh. um, it does remind me of um, a quote from a TV show that you know my uh, some other constituents and I have become obsessed with. You know, when a man asks you for help, you help him. Mm. Yep. Or when your brother asks you for help, you help him. Mm. Or they've also said when a friend asks you. Same thing. Just replace the daggum noun. But uh, letter Kenny. There you have I it. figured. Pitter patter, get her at her. No, pitter patter, get at her. Pitter powder, let's get at her. There you go. Ah, yeah. there it is. There it is. Uh, uh, but no, Gabriel tells him, "Nope, man, won't help you. Even if I could, fuck you." He doesn't say "fuck you" though, because he's an angel. He's an angel. He just politely says, "Go screw yourself." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's very self righteous. Yeah. I mean, extremely so. Uh, I mean, and uh, like if you guys do read this, I do encourage you to 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 read uh, like more of the run because you see what happens with him. And it's, it's very, very interesting. Um, very good shit. 
But uh, so yeah, uh, Gabriel shoots him down, and John even tries to cash in on the debts, like you said. Mm-hmm. But uh, Gabriel's like, "No, I'm an angel. There, I don't. I don't even know what a debt is. Like, we we don't know. What do you mean by debt? We we don't owe anything. Appreciate right. the help that you've given in the past, but we don't owe you anything. That was your tithing, John. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and 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 uh, Gabriel says. Unfortunately, yeah, you're going to die, and your soul will be condemned to hell for all eternity. And Constantine goes, "Well, well, why is that? Why, why can't I?" And then Gabriel lists off just some of the atrocities right. that John has yeah. done, <laughs> which is fun. Yeah, which is fun. Uh, and, and John's like, "Yeah, but besides that, like, <laughs> why?" <laughs> uh, so the at the at the end of this chapter here, essentially, what happens is that John realizes after a, another drunken bender at a bar. He's been relying on outside help, but instead he needs to rely on himself because he's the one who's always gotten him out of a lot of this danger that he's been in. True, true. So now he realizes, I need to figure something out here, and I can. I I like the way that this whole thing has been unfolding because it is John definitely learning something as he progresses along, not just having this one-and-done perfect plan, you know? Yeah, no. Which Which some stories only make the time for. They don't give you the time for... Uh, let's try that. Oh, that failed. Let's try that. Oh, that failed too. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, t- it takes, uh, I mean, with this type of situation, man, like the, the type of mental stress that you had to be under. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if, if I knew that like my, like the essence of my being, it does in fact live on in that I don't fucked up and is now condemned to some hellish being. Right. I would be afraid to leave the apartment. Yeah. I agree with him. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to turn on the on the oven; it might blow up. I'm gonna have ham sandwiches for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, you live outside of society. You write a manifesto. Yep. Yeah. There you go. I become the Unabomber. Uh, <laughs> wow. So, real quick, let's take an intermission mm-hmm. and talk about the the particular style of this book because it yes. does have a very unique style. Um. Very, very uh, accentuated art at times where they're not afraid to go into the graphics. They're not afraid to go into the grit of the story because the story has a lot of grit and it visits a lot of dark places and themes. And I find that fascinating. I really do. Um, I also find it fascinating that the colorist, um, the decisions that they made with that, you know, there's not a huge emphasis on the coloring in this book. In fact, I was surprised at exactly how many pastels uh, were there. Very, very uniquely different oh, for yeah. a story so dark, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's really one of those things. Was I think for the first, maybe the first half of this book, hmm. maybe a little bit less, but the first portion of this omnibus here that I'm referring to is uh, it's actually um, drawn by uh, Will Simpson. Okay. And uh, so, Dangerous Habits included is drawn by Will Simpson. Uh, Garth Ennis is most famously known for pairing with Steve Dillon. Uh, Steve Dillon is who he finishes the Hillblazer run with, and then he and Steve go on to do almost the entirety of Preacher together uh, as a writer-artist team-up. Um, Garth says that he... he he likes Will Simpson. I mean, obviously, Steve Dillon is Garth's favorite mm-hmm. artist ever. Right. He feels his that, preferred tag team yeah. partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he, he, 
it's, it's interesting because like I I love the artwork of Will Simpson. I think it's very fitting. Yeah, for there's, Hellblazer. there's a lot of good detail whenever you do the focus things. Like, oh yeah, for instance, even the panel you're looking at now here, the the detail on John's face, mm. you know, the grit of the cheekbones, the jawline, yeah. the, the shadow he's got, you know, e- even the look in the eyes. It's it's like he hasn't been sleeping. Exactly, you know? like he hasn't been sleeping. Like he's just kind of giving himself like, like. A thousand yards stare, not really looking at anything in particular here. Really, really well done. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. And, and you're right. It's like it's excellently done. And Will Simpson, he he gives attention to detail when it's really needed, mm-hmm. and then and then when it's not, he just uh, tells the story through the art. Yeah. Uh, and so it's I think it's very effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I especially like his hands. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. true. There's a lot of details to the hands, which. Yeah. That's like, one of the hardest things to draw. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and like, especially if if you guys read uh, a lot of, if you guys read like a lot of uh, Marvel and DC during this same time frame, like this is when we're getting to like the the Rob Liefeld, Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee hey. era when we get a bunch of other, a uh, bunch of other artists and whatnot, and it's like a, a lot of those early through mid nineties artists didn't like to draw hands or feet, which is why feet were always covered up and hands were they always... Had convenient uh, spandex that like made it one large unit yeah, rather than... Oh, either, toes. Yep, yeah. yeah, either that or like their feet would conveniently be behind something, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like their hands would either be gripping a gun or balled up, so... <laughs> and, so action-y. <laughs> and, you know, I, would, I just always assumed that was for time-saving purposes, Maybe not so much a lack of talent. <laughs> uh, a little bit of that, but I, I, I'd also throw it into the, to just like, when you're the guy on the job mm-hmm. and you're doing a job that you love, you want to make sure that you still love doing it by the end of the day. That's yeah, true. And it, yeah. if, if you despise drawing hands and feet that strongly, right. I can see that becoming less of a, less of a job you love by yeah. the end of drawing that many hands and feet. <laughs> but you know just speaking of like artwork in comparison like this book I mean I, clearly like this was 1991 when this came out I, I wasn't exactly reading comics in 1991 but uh <laughs> really? yeah you know yeah, Dang, yeah, yeah this sad. is uh, no, this, was, is, this is I August was of one uh, and I was yeah, this is August of 91 so yeah I, I would have been three and yeah at, at age of three I, I don't think I was uh, I was reading one. comics yep I was one. <laughs> wait what do you know which day it came out? No. Oh, darn. Anyways. Uh, but no, the only reason I wanted to mention the the artwork just one more time is that, like, this had to be, like, a a, a respite for for the homies who, who did grow up in that era reading comics then. Because mm-hmm. if you look at, I mean, just, just picture some of, the, some of the cover artwork for books back then, or even just some of the character models from books in the 90s, like, Everybody was bulging with muscles. There were pouches everywhere. Extravagant hair. I like the, just just the imagery of '90s artwork yeah. in comic books. And then you look at Hellblazer, and it's it's a guy. You know, this is this is a person. It's just John Constantine. Like there there are no bulging muscles. There is no spandex. It's just a man. And so like it's so. It's it's just such a contrast to what most comic books were were doing as far as artwork goes. Um, I just thought that was, that was interesting. Uh, but 
what really happens next, guys, in this next chapter is that John basically says his goodbyes. He first goes and visits his sister, Cheryl, um, and you realize that he has a close relationship with his niece, uh, Gemma, but he doesn't have the heart to say goodbye. He does tell his uh, his sister that because of the shit he's gotten into with the magic that he's kept away from her, he is... That's fair. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I would deem that fair. Like, nah, I don't want to get you involved. Right. You know? I've done some messed up stuff. Mm-hmm. I went drinking with Satan. Yeah. <laughs> What's the last part? I said I did some messed up stuff. I did some messed up stuff. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Just don't think about it. Yeah. Uh, he says his goodbye to uh, to his sister, and he 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 calls himself a coward uh, because he doesn't have the the guts to say goodbye to his niece, and he wants his sister to do that for him. Uh, that is a trait of Constantine, guys. Not like he's like a, a coward in the sense that he's going to. Uh, literally run in the face of danger unless it's danger that he knows he can't beat. Yeah. But like that, that is a, a character flaw of Constantine is that, yeah, he, he knows that at times he can, he can do some, uh, some, some, some coward shit. And he's like, yeah, I'm not a fucking fighter. You know, I'm not, I'm not good at this, at these type of emotions either. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, Whenever there's that level of understanding and honesty to it, there's always a duality to cowardness. You know, there's mm-hmm. cowardness, but at the same time, there's, depending on the situation, um, a scope of intelligence, you know, a scope of even wisdom, per se. Because it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm a coward, but I also understand exactly how deep and how powerful this moment is and how, you know, because of its power and its dramatic impact, I don't want to deal with it, you know? Like th- there is there is that duality to it too. It's more complex than oh, you couldn't see the person you loved. How dare you, you coward? You know, right? It, it's it's not so black and white. Yeah, mm. yeah, and uh, yeah, it's one of those situations where it's not. Uh, yes, yeah, like I said, it's not cowardice in the sense of he's afraid of his niece. It's yeah. cowardice in the sense of like he's afraid of facing those emotions of saying goodbye to his niece mm. and what they do to him. Um, but he says goodbye to his sister and then, uh, he says, uh, goodbye to his good friend, Chas. And, uh, this one is, 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 uh, is, is, is also especially rough. Chas plays a, a really huge part, uh, throughout this entire run. Uh, but in this, uh, in this little arc here in Dangerous Habits, this is the main bit that Chas gets. Um, Chas is a taxi driver. And uh, he now has a uh, a very small kind of ugly uh, Mini Cooper for his taxi. Uh, ultimately, thanks to Constantine. Constantine told him to uh, to make a bad bookie deal, essentially, and that cost uh, Chas his original ride and a lot of money. And so Chas had to get in bed with this loan shark, uh, this known loan shark, in order to even get the Humdi that he has now for his taxi. And Constantine even tells him, I can't believe that you made a deal with so-and-so. Like, this guy's a, he's a fucking loan shark, and yeah. he's going to charge you a high interest rate. Chas goes off on Constantine because it was Constantine's fault that Chas lost his ride and his money in the first place. Yeah, not exactly the power you want to hear some uh, critique from. Right, yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's pretty, <laughs> I'd be pissed too, you know? Right. Yeah. Like you get advice from from a friend, yeah. And Q, then, man, sorry that uh, that deal with the book you didn't work on that latest uh, UFC fight, man. Hey, dude, wh- why'd you buy this crappy car, dude? I mean, what? 
What's you, going on with that? You told thing? me to. You said that you if I a Pinto. <laughs> <laughs> At that oh. point, that ain't no one's fault but yours. You bought a Pinto. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But point still made. You lost money on the bookie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because of you. Uh, Thank goodness you don't gamble. Thank goodness yeah. we don't gamble. Don't gamble. Unless you know you can win. That's almost cheating. But <laughs> hey, that's a whole new episode. <laughs> Write that down for another day. Uh, yeah. yes. uh, but the way that this ends here between these two is Chas lays into Constantine verbally. Uh, Constantine just kind of, he, he actually doesn't retort with a ready comment. Mm-hmm. He just gets out of the taxi and goes about his way. Uh, but when he leaves, he leaves an envelope where he was sitting. Chess looks at the envelope, and it's essentially an apology letter from Constantine uh, because Chess has been one of his best friends throughout so many years. Constantine has, has abused their relationship, and and the envelope is also money to repay Chess for the money that Chess lost thanks to Constantine. Mm. Uh, Constantine also alludes to the fact that he got the money by using... Uh, I don't think he used magic. I think he just used con man abilities. Yeah. Uh, to to maybe both to get that. Yeah, maybe, maybe both. both. Yep. Maybe both. Uh, but it was it was uh it was very interesting though to see that and and Chas was very taken aback by it because it was a goodbye mm-hmm. and he just yelled at his friend and now he realizes that he may never see that friend again. Right. Yeah. Powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Chas was uh pretty torn up about that. Um. The next thing we get here is that he does go and he says goodbye to Matt, uh, the old man in the hospital. And, and this was this was very touching as well. Promise. Yeah. yeah. Uh, those guys have a very good meeting, an, another very interesting conversation as well, because uh, it essentially ends with uh, Matt telling Constantine, listen, whatever you do, don't live your life with regrets. They don't do you any good. Yeah. And whether or not Constantine is a person who you should ever tell that to, it's, it's still, uh, you know, it, it, it is some sound air. advice. Yeah. 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 And uh, Matt, he, he actually, uh, this is an old, sickly man. He gets out of bed and he shakes Constantine's hand. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was a, a very, another touching moment. Yeah. So it's actually interesting, the, the role of Matt in this book. Um, one would almost argue that if, if you look at the book, um, in, if you can somehow take out all the emotion the book, as um, the role of Matt is almost unnecessary. He's almost more of like the guide for the the actual emotional development of Constantine here. But to the actual grand scheme of the happenstances of the story, what Constantine goes through and where he ultimately ends up, Matt is very inconsequential to that. Mm-hmm. So it, it's very interesting to me the role of Matt. You know, I I wonder where Garth was in his life, like. Who was a prominent, like, who were the prominent members, multiple people, in his life at the time of writing this, you know? Because Mm -hmm. there is a powerful emotional landscape that is played so well with here in the story. And it kind of makes me wonder, like, okay, where where are the inspirations coming from from this? Because there's a lot of grave understanding, and there's a lot of wise things being said in between the panels here. And... um, it's fascinating, which is obviously part of the reason why this is such a famous story. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that is an excellent question. I mean, yeah, uh, I've always looked at Matt as the lens through went through through which Constantine realizes that could have been him. 
Mm. And especially okay. how things end up, you really see how how that affects Constantine and he and that kind of sets in on him. I can see that. You know? mm. Um but no, so now Constantine, uh, he, he's been doing some reading through some very evil-looking books. I forget what one was called. It was some kind of weird, probably Latin name book. Right. Arcana the de, de Demon. Uh, never mind. I, I don't know. There is there, um, this podcast uh, that I listen to on the side uh, based on a lot of horror stuff. Mm-hmm. And they, for a lot of their earlier content, some of the, it was a fictional one. It just loved going into like creepypasta, essentially. And they, they had an episode where they talked a lot about, like, different books in horror history and, like, known books that were either played on in other fictions or things like that. And, and one of them was, like, a like the Encyclopedia of Demonology, and one was, like, uh, Cult 101, How to, mm. you know, and things like that. And so I was trying to remember the name of one because they had a really cool uh, Latin-based name regarding demonology and things like that. And it's like, ah... Never mind. I I don't remember. So mm. there you go. Yeah. There you have it. I have it. But yeah. So uh, Constantine he goes uh, to one of his old uh, one of his old places that he lived uh, that still has a lot of really kind of evil essence dwelling about, and it's here that he decides to enact this Hail Mary plan he came up with. Right uh, on the eve of his death, if not mistaken. Uh, yes. Yep. Uh, yep. He he feels creeping in on him. He knows it's going to be soon. So he sets up a, uh, a ritual uh, circle, uh, lights the candles, and he begins a summoning ritual. And he summons someone who is simply known at this point as the second. And we don't know at this point what kind of deal he agrees to, but we know that they come to some kind of agreement. Right. And, uh, and then he completely erases the ritual, redraws it, and gets new candles and summons an entity known as the third, and that's the same thing. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is when I understood that this is the story of the legend you told me about. And I'll oh, joke yeah. about it after we talk about all of this, <laughs> but I, I knew that John Constantine was infamous and even notorious for this reason mm-hmm. to be discussed in the future. Oh, yeah. Indeed. Uh, and so what happens is that well, he goes, well... Uh, I've uh, began enacting the plan. Uh, now is uh, time for me to continue this. And he feels that he's getting worse physically. And uh, he pulls out a razor blade and he slits the hell out of his wrist. He couldn't just wait. He was just like, all right, let's make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things where like, it had to be done like this and before the cancer set in and took him. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, that's what he does. He slits his wrist, and in doing so, uh, the entity shows up, which we have been referring to as the Lord of Hell. Mm-hmm. He shows up, and uh, he tells John to look upon him. And, of course, uh, the Lord of Hell is, uh, is like this this kind of... He, he's dressed in, like, this kind of mockery of, of, like, Christ when he was upon the cross. And, uh, you know, he's, he's really just kind of... Doing it to fuck with Constantine, uh, yeah. it's, it's it's pretty it's pretty uh pretty badass, pretty symbolic of it all. Um, there it is, right there. Yep. yep. And uh, what's happening here is that uh, Constantine goes, "Oh well, you're here a little early, aren't you? Like you're supposed to be here once I die, right?" And uh, the Lord of Hell goes, 
Yeah, I just want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> that's messed up. That's, right. that's some real spite. He's just yeah. like, man, I am the king of spite. Yeah. There's a reason I'm Satan. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, at this point, when the Lord of Hell, he's just licking his chops, man. Like, he he, he can't he's wait. ready. This yes. is going to be like the best soul of the year. Yeah. yeah he's like, man, so you, you're taking, you, you know, you you're taking your own life. You're not even going to wait. All right. That's fine. Well, that definitely. Ooh, I got you. Yeah, I, I definitely got you I'm, now. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm, you ready? I'm ready. Yeah, let's <laughs> uh, Come on. I right, got reserve tickets. Let's right. go. Yeah. And then uh, Constantine goes, oh, uh, do, do we have some company here? And and the Lord of Hell is like, what are you talking about? It's just us. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, the second comes up, and then you realize what's going on here is that the person they refer to as the Lord of Hell is known as the first. John has summoned both the second and the third. Yep, he has made deal with these two entities. These are the the triune of hell. These are the three who run hell. Yep, the three lords of hell. Yes, and all three of them have a separate but binding contract with our boy John Constantine. Yes, indeed, indeed, they do. Yeah, what is what a simple game to play. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And there's so many fascinating things about about this deal here, about this contract that he strikes up, mm-hmm. because essentially what has happened here is that all three have a claim to John's soul because he has made a deal with the second and the third that when I die, you guys can keep my soul. Right. What is unclear is what John wrote that he gets in return. Yeah. Now, uh, let's let's take a second to break away from the content here. Mm-hmm. So, to so my understanding, and, and this is purely based on an off com- off mic conversation that you mm-hmm. and I have had mm-hmm. um, regarding John Constantine and and the awesomeness of his smarmy charisma. Right. Um, now, to my understanding, one of those things was a brand of immortality. Where he actually not only had his cancer cured, but also gained, you know, knockoff immortality of some kind or something like that. Uh, I don't know if that's canon. I well, have no idea. Well, he, he, he technically doesn't bargain for that, but he has to have that for the plan to work. Because right. if he dies, then... Right, oh, exactly. Because yeah. Well, nah, nah. <laughs> Was that a pun? A little bit. So, okay. So in other words... He has, like, homemade immortality, we'll call it. Right. Because of all three of these deals in synopsis, in, yeah. in, in you know, in tandem together, mm-hmm. accidentally working with one another. Yeah, and and I guess, yeah. uh, spoiler alert for those of you who haven't read uh, the rest of the run, but sure. it, it doesn't last that long. Of course long. Not. Yeah. It's a comic book. Yeah, so. Um, okay, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so he has made a deal with all three lords of hell, and all three feel like they have a claim to a soul. Now, if you were dealing with rational people who weren't worthy to be lords of hell, if you're dealing with people who weren't so selfish and and bloodthirsty and egotistical, yes, and egotistical, different. yeah, then three people might be able to compromise and, and make a deal with one another. But these three entities are not willing to do so. No. They all have a reputation. Yes. So they, they can't 
give ground to the other two lords of hell, that will make him look weak. Make of course look not. Weak, yeah. And then it's like, he's mine. I signed a contract. Well, I signed a contract. Well, yeah. he fucked me over. That's technically the same. <laughs> he stabbed me in the face. Yeah. <laughs> he made me drink holy water. <laughs> I, I love the terminology. He goes, uh, I drank the Nazarene's piss. Like, uh, that was that. <laughs> <laughs> that is That is dark. Dark religious writing, right? There. Oh yeah, <laughs> I I shouldn't, but I kind of like it. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 pretty fucking intense. Uh, and now what's happening here is that Constantine, like, he's holding on to his his slit wrist because you know, he can't die before they come to the realization of what needs to be done. Yep. Uh, and he's like, well, you guys need to kind of hurry it up here. And and here's the thing too is that they can't constantly keep fighting over him because we we can't. You know, for guilt, we can't forego that detail because mm-hmm. if they turn their focus to this, you know, this to this debate, if they took it to trial, right. then as their attention is gone, that potentially opens up hell for a very vulnerable flank attack from heaven. Yeah, it's like, well, if they go to war with one another, then exactly that that invokes war from heaven. Yeah, yeah, and, and, which and heaven means... will come down and whoop on some tail. Yeah, if all three lords of hell. Are mm-hmm. occupied with one soul. Right. Yeah. And uh, they're like, well, so we all want a soul, correct? Yes. How great is the worth of one soul? Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, so so we all agree. We all want this guy's soul. Okay. <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Okay, so we all three want a soul, okay? We all have contracts. Yeah, right here. <laughs> Let me see that. I know you like to make shit up sometimes. Don't grab it. This I, is mine. I, hey, just let me. I just want to see it. You can see it with your eyes, not your hands. <laughs> You're such an asshole. Did you ever have a friend tell you that in school? <laughs> yeah. Probably. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure I did too because it sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So. Okay. So we all want his soul, but yeah. Yep. But I, I think he's mine. Well, no, he's clearly mine. My contract. You literally saw it because you asked to see it. It's right here. Other was like, well, no, he's definitely mine. The other guy, no, he's mine. I I have the contract here. Okay, okay, you know what? Fine, fuck it. So we all have bonding contracts with this <laughs> asshole, okay? So yes. so I'll tell you what, okay. We can just fight for it then. I'll tell you what, we'll fight for That's it. That's a dumb idea. What? As soon as we start to fight, heaven's going to rain down on us. Oh, shit. No, he's right. God. <laughs> How my voice is, by the way, gang. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to I'm oh, trying. Yeah. I'm trying. Hell yeah. <laughs> Not exactly a soundboard over here. Ah oh, shit. Okay, so damn it, we, we can't go to war. We can't now, fight each other because no. Okay, so 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 all right then what do look, we do? Look, I'm tired of this, okay? I'm not giving you the soul at all. Well, I'm not giving you the soul. Nor I. Okay. So, okay, okay. So none of us are pushovers. We get it. We get it. Now, hear me out. Let's just Forget this ever happened. Okay? No. Yes. No. Yeah. He made me drink the Nazarene's piss. No. <laughs> Look, shut up about that. It's okay. Shut up. It is not You're okay. You're fine. That's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> and for an eternity, these boys never right. stopped arguing. <laughs> Constantine was kept in a state of limbo. Until <laughs> He's just like wrapping up right. his wrist like, not gonna die tonight, <laughs> no sir. Uh, and Constantine, he essentially nudged them in the right direction, saying, uh, "So I think you guys know what needs to happen here." 
If I die, then one of you will have to claim my soul, thus invoking a war between you and heaven, which you don't want. So I think the result here is that I need to live. And they're like, you son of a bitch. He has them. He has them cornered. Yep. Uh, and all three of them. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, so they all reluctantly agree that he's right. He has to live. And what they do is uh, they, they agree. And uh, number one, uh, or the first, he goes, well, uh, I'll, I'll fix your wrist and, and, and I'll cure you of your cancer because we, ha- we can't have you dying and thus invoking this war, but I'm going to make it as painful as I can. At least grant me that enjoyment. Right. And that, that was actually a very visceral part of the story yeah. too, which I enjoyed because he he literally tears his hands into him. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's very grotesque, mm-hmm. and uh, like the the way that Garth describes it is agonizing. It's mm-hmm. like he's his rib cage is broken, his sternum is shattered, his heart is pushed up against his spine. Uh, he reaches in and and just pulls There's no out anesthesia, the tongue. Yeah, way. yeah, none of that. <laughs> he, he doesn't have any more like Guinness to make it go down easy. Nope. Yeah, right. Nope. Uh, he even talks about how when his wrist is being fixed up, it feels like a welder's torch. And he's like, jeez. And then he goes, but when everything's been put back together, it feels ten times worse. <laughs> like, God. I mean, technically, Satan is not exactly a builder. You know, he, he's yeah. more of a deconstructor, a destructionist, if you will. Oh, well, yeah. So uh, he had to destroy him in his own little way. Yep. And... Uh, and what Constantine says is that when he was, uh, when he's putting him back together, like Constantine, he's trying to scream, but he can't. And, but he's like, he's in so much pain and agony. And then the thing of it is, is that he notices that, that the first Lord of Hell isn't even smiling. Like he's not even enjoying it, yeah. but he's still doing it nonetheless. <laughs> like what an asshole. Right. Yeah. All, all to showcase that he and then the other two lords of hell uh azazel and uh beelzebub um that they all get the same playing cards by the end of the day yeah yeah almost like out of spite for john but out of spite for each other so ain't no one winning of course except john yep no one's winning except for the john man who cheated the devil twice and both of the other lords of hell yeah all in the same lifetime mm-hmm. exactly fascinating they- uh, so because of this, because of this contract, and because of the stipulations, they cure John of his cancer. They fix up his wrist. They get rid of the tar on his lungs, and uh, they patch him up. And uh, John, you know, he says he suits up, and you know, he puts his clothes back on, and he's ready to get out of there. But before he leaves, uh, he, he knows that he shouldn't. He feels like it's a bad idea, but. He's John Constantine. And he's got his own rep to keep up. <laughs> yes. I loved his, this. Yes. Game. This was a great way. <laughs> great way to, to yes. begin the the end of the story. Here. Right. Yeah. And uh, before he leaves, he says, oh, yeah, one other thing, fellas. Up yours. And he turns around and he gives them the finger, the middle finger to be exact. You know, all the other lords are just like, damn, he's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, man, it's like, yeah, you've uh, you put a bullseye on your back, John. Yeah. And that uh, that's partly what the epilogue is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's one last chapter, and it is an epilogue, and it's John basically waking up the next day and realizing that 
Yeah, no, everything's not not okay. <laughs> now, you, congratulations. You've tricked the Lords of Hell. Mm-hmm. All three of... Excuse me. Put three targets on your back. Yep. And now you're constantly running away from death. Yes. Yeah. You've Johnny Depp yourself into this. Or, excuse me, you've... Uh, Captain Jack Sparrowed mm. yourself into the not Johnny Depp, but the the fictional right. character. Yeah. <laughs> They're so close in my mind. Mm. Anyways, yeah. So he realizes now that he does have a bullseye on his back, and that the Lords will be watching him constantly, mm. and that they'll be looking for a way, a loophole through this contract. Yeah, and that you know he know he knows that his time is probably limited before they figure something out, and that yeah. when they do, he's gonna have to be on his toes. So it's almost more like he bought a really good life insurance policy mm-hmm. and now you know. which is also a really bad life insurance policy I thought, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yep yep so in other words she bought insurance because that's exactly that's about all it yeah. is yep congrats you 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 bought into it uh and it's at this point he realized that oh yeah so i told people that uh that i that i was, was gonna bite it mm. and I, i'm not exactly gonna bite it yet and uh, what he does is that he uh, he goes and he's first going to get something to eat, and then he bumps into an old friend. Uh, he bumps into Kit, uh, the same Kit who used to date Brendan years back, and those three used to hang out and have a good old time together. Uh, and now he's running into her again, and they just decide to you know well let's let's catch up. Mm-hmm. And so these two they do catch up, and uh, she's one of the only people who's able to really been able to catch on so quickly to the cleverness of John with the cleverness of her own. And uh, I guess, spoiler alert, if you guys can tell, these two do begin a relationship uh, throughout the book. Um, I'll let you use your imagination as to how that goes. Right. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it is extremely well-written to the point where I wish Tom King had read this when he was writing Batman. So Ah, dang. <laughs> So he would know how to write Batman as a character who's in love and not simp Batman. Nice. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Batman never needs to be a simp. Um, Agreed. But no, anyways, uh, so these two do catch up, and it's at this moment where he realizes, oh, shit, I forgot to tell Matt. Yep. Uh, and so he, he rushes, um, and uh, he, he rushes to the hospital, kits with him, and he, he makes his way back to where Matt is. And thankfully, Matt is still alive. Constantine is beating himself up because, by the way, this isn't like, like the next day. You know, it's not like, yes, it's not like yesterday. Right. He it's made not like deal. he forgot, you know, to deliver a package to FedEx and just drops off the day after. <laughs> yeah. It's been that like package, four days. Yeah. That package has been in the back of his car for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. He's been on like a four day bender because, like, you know, what do you do after you, you trick the Lords of Hell? You. You drink. Right. And boy, howdy did he. Uh, but it's, it's funny uh, when when Constantine finds out that Matt is still there, Matt is still alive, He's, he hasn't passed away yet, mm. and Constantine goes, oh, I, was a, I, th- I thought you were dead. And Matt's like, I thought you were dead. <laughs> right? Yeah. You told me you were going to die. So, you, okay. Yeah, you told me that, uh, yeah, that this was going to be it. Mm. And... Um, and, and th- those two, once again, like every time these two meet, they have really engaging conversations. And sometimes Matt tells funny stories. Uh, I mean, he, he he does have some really funny stories that he tells. Uh, but here, um, Kit goes to go get everybody some tea and coffee. And then Matt talks about Kit and saying that, yeah, she uh, she really knows you, doesn't she? And he 
he basically tells Constantine to to keep his friends close because even though he's a man of mystery, he knows that Constantine is the type of person where maybe each one of his friends knows a piece of him. Yeah. Uh, but you want to make sure that you keep those friends close so that you have that piece, so that they have that piece of you to remember you by, essentially. Mm. Saying, saying to uh, Constantine that you shouldn't push your friends away and that you need to be sure that you that you keep them all, you know, and, and check up on them. Uh, and so he's basically telling him that Kit seems like a good person, that you should probably try to Gee, not, yeah. Yeah, not, and, not fuck this one up. Right, and it's this meeting, actually, that makes this story, even though it is a very powerful and awesome one, feel like an introductory story to the rest of the life of John Constantine. You know, mm-hmm. like this entire story here, um, Dangerous Habits, being the prologue of what's to come for Hellblazer, you know, which I guess it makes sense because it might just be at the beginning of the book. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's at this moment where uh, Matt says that he feels funny and he, he wants to get his nurse to go give him a pill. Mm-hmm. And uh, when uh, Constantine goes to get a nurse, uh, Matt uh, starts coughing up a lot of bowel and blood and yeah. excrement. Uh, the nurses and doctors come in to to check on him. He's getting worse. It's rough when you're coughing up not just bowel and blood, but excrement too. Yeah, you're in a bad day, bro. You're, you're having a really you're bad a day. Really bad day, bro. Yeah. And uh, Matt dies. Uh, he bites it. Yeah. And uh, this really, really fucks with Constantine. And the reason that he cites for it, you know messing with him so bad is is you know. He only met this guy a few days ago, but he had a really profound impact on Constantine. Yeah. And when he looks at Matt, once again, they're really kindred spirits. It's like Matt looks at Constantine like a younger version of himself and mm-hmm. vice versa. Like Constantine looks at Matt as like an older version of himself. Yeah. He looks at Matt and sees, well, that probably should have been me. That like mm-hmm. I bullshitted my way out of it. And here's Matt, who didn't have that option. Right. And he just bit the bullet hard. Almost a uh, survivor's guilt. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, take out almost, you know, because that's... Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. uh, that's rough. That's that's a hard thing to, you know, overcome. Yeah. I, yeah. Can, I can only imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, I think that's an apt description of what Constantine is feeling here. And uh, he... Especially the way he did it. Yeah. You, know? you cheated. Oh, you, yeah. You kept an ace up your sleeve in this <laughs> game of poker and said, oh, I got four of a kind. No, you don't. Yep, right here. Because I tricked you to give me an ace uh-huh. and you to give me an ace. <laughs> so there you have it. Yeah. Uh, Kit comes out to, to greet him and to try to give him some kind of comfort uh, in the end. And and, and that's, that is where this end was with Constantine essentially sobbing in the rain. Yeah. Uh, because throughout this whole ordeal, uh, he realizes that, yeah, a lot of people just don't make it out of this. This is with the same kind of luck that he has at times. Right. Kind of going back to, uh, to what I said earlier. I mean, he has successfully fallen uphill. Mm-hmm. And now he's at the top of the hill looking, you know, at the others who didn't make it. Yeah. 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 And, like, this is this is really one of those stories where that really showcases Constantine's strengths mm-hmm. uh, because 
even when literally all the cars stacked against him, this man finds a way. So it's not like any of it's accidental. Yeah. Like he he tried going out for help. He went out to angels and demons and yeah. and, and, and friends who practice magic and got no help. It's only when he relied on his own cunningness and his own knowledge of magic that got him out of the situation. Yeah. And that in a nutshell really does aptly describe Constantine. He's a man who knows how to use his wit. Yeah. It's not just having access to the magic that he does, but it's knowing how to use it to play people the right, right. way. Knowing when to be worldly and when to be magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, uh, it's kind of going back to what I said earlier, a great introductory story here. I guess not just to Hellblazer itself as an entity of a story, but more as like to the character himself and you know who John is. Yeah. Yeah. But this, going back to what I was talking about earlier, this is... This is the legend. This is the moment when John Constantine tricked three lords of hell and mm-hmm. became, you know, cancer-free and prolonged life, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it's interesting because I don't know what the third thing is, you know? Because we know what he got from Satan, the cure for cancer and the cleanup of his wrists. But, um, yeah, it's interesting that they don't define what the other two are, you know? Which, you know, not yeah. necessary to know. Um but. Interesting. Yeah, at least, at least not here. Uh, True. So, yeah. If you guys go on reading, like, uh, I guess not to spoil too much, but uh, the the first Lord of Hell does return in a big bad way, and it is it is fucking awesome. Nice. Uh, it, it's really great, and there there's there's so many great stories in here. Like, it, it gets so good that I I have to say that Dangerous Habits may be the most iconic, but I don't know if it's my favorite in here, and that's saying wow, something. Wow, that is. Yeah. Dang. Um. Another interesting tidbit before we close out here with this story, guys, is uh, hmm. you may be wondering why the three lords of hell and why not just Lucifer. Uh, that's because technically Lucifer isn't even in this story. You have to remember, this takes place in the same universe as uh, a Sandman. And and and, uh, and Sandman, oddly enough, I think, uh, I have Sandman in omnibus, I mean, uh, in uh, absolute format. So if you guys read... Uh, Absolute Sandman Volume 2, there's a story arc in there where Lucifer uh, wants to meet with Morpheus, and Morpheus goes thinking that Lucifer's going to want to fight, and Morpheus thinks that he's probably going to lose this fight. Hmm. And But what Lucifer ends up saying is that, no, actually, I don't want to fight you for what you've done. Instead, uh, I want to give you the keys to my kingdom. I'm done here. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> And uh, and then that's Bruh, actually I'm where retiring. the uh, yeah yeah <laughs> and that's actually where the Lucifer uh, the Lucifer series starts up also written by Neil Gaiman, mm-hmm. um, but uh, that that is essentially why Lucifer isn't in the story. Uh, kind of touching up what you were discussing earlier regarding like uh, continuity notes, um, yeah. you know, vis a vis writers, you know, right. that's dope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is when they paid attention. I mean, albeit I, I get it, like. Vertigo, especially at this time, was a much smaller entity than the mainstream DC. But at the same time, they could have just said, "Yeah, screw it. You can have yeah, have Lucifer, you know, be the one to do it." But right. But because Constantine had already appeared in an issue of Sandman that confirmed that those two exist in the same continuity, therefore they felt they need to be consistent. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great, great example. It took us a minute to get to it, but very great example. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> See, everything comes full circle. Now, how big that circle is varies. Right. There uh, you have it. Yep. Uh, you, you got any closing comments, Kevin, about uh, Dangerous Habits or anything? This, this has been a great one to read. 
Um, not exactly a super scary story, but once you actually take the time to read it and, you know, appreciate the, the artwork and all of its gruesome, gruesome detail, you understand why this was a, 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 a nice, good, pretty pick for our Halloween season, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Um, great story writing. I could definitely see and understand now why this is one of the infamous reads of our boy here, Mr. John Constantine. So hopefully all you bad boys and girls out there enjoyed it. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, this was absolutely one of my favorite reads as well. I was I was really excited uh, when I got this uh, this omnibus. This was this is one of the few omnis that I actually actively pre-ordered. Most I just wait until the release date and then order at the you know at, 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 the, at the earliest moment in that day. This one I actually went out, went out of my way to pre-order before it came out. Nice. Which unfortunately also happened like during the peak of COVID. Yeah. So it still took me a long time to get it. Yeah. But when I got it, it was worth it. Um, yeah, th- this is definitely one of those stories that once again, it's, it's great storytelling and it's great character defining moments. Uh, this is something that I definitely recommend that, that anyone check out. Okay. Um, and, and I, I got to say like, if, if you don't like Dangerous Habits, then you may, Constantine or Hellblazer may just not be for you. Right, because it is definitely a different tone of book. It is definitely, you know, not your typical superhero story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is of the superhero world, quote-unquote, by a loose, a very <laughs> loose definition. Right. Mostly just because of corporatism, but definitely a different tone of story. Yep. Yes. A fresh take for those out there who are looking for something kind of different who might enjoy a, a spooky theme every now and then. Spooky, spooky. Spooky, spooky. Yes. But yeah, yeah. Uh, homies, definitely let us know what you guys think of Dangerous Habits. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, if you guys haven't read Arkham Asylum yet by Grant Morrison, check that out or check out our episode that we did on that just last week. Heck yeah, should be the one predecessing this episode in the list available to you via whatever streaming platform you choose to listen to. That's right. And with that being said, guys, that is going to be all for this episode. We hope that you guys enjoyed this. Hope that you guys enjoyed reading a little bit of Hellblazer. Uh, if you did, if not, then you know try try to make t- some time to do so. Heck uh, yeah, they have it in trade paperback format still available. So, like we said earlier, you don't have to drop money on the whole omnibus if you don't want to. Always appreciated. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, guys. For all the homies listening out there, thank you very much for attendance. Uh, feel free, by the way, to always leave us a comment, hit us up with a review. We we definitely definitely helps us out or simply enough if you haven't yet subscribe hit us up and you know hook yourself up to more crazy content yeah trick or treat yourself (laughs) trick or treat yourself yep huh that's a thinker (laughs) I like it I like it Uh, or continue to trick or treat yourself even after the season passes by with Patreon because you can always trick or treat yourself no matter what time of year it is with patreon.com backslash superhero homies, where you can always sign up to listen to all the other fun, dorky things we love to talk about. There's so much room for all this content under the superhero homie flag. Absolutely, guys. Yep. On our Patreon page, you'll find content that is still nerdy in nature, uh, just not superhero related. And there is a lot of really cool and fun shit we talk about there. Mm-hmm. So definitely be sure to check that out. Very cool. Uh, So for as little as $1 a month, you guys can help us out there. But that is all for now, guys. We thank you again for listening in. 
But until next time, my name is Superhero Homie Q. And I am Superhero Homie Kevin.